Hey, hey everyone, welcome to today's live edition of Topics on My Mind, and I am proud to say, and if you see it down there, I am proud to say it's the first ever one with Super Chats, because yes, as of last night, late last night, into today, um, I have finally monetized, monetized uh, my channel, and there is a reason for that. Um, basically, two days ago on the on Wednesday, two days ago Wednesday, two days ago on Wednesday, uh, the fourteenth, it marked one month since I was uh, let go from my job because of you know what I did, um, and I and I guess for other reasons, you know, you know the thing is. When I tell my family about it, it's like, you know, they, they look at it like, you know, there's just something, something doesn't add up to them. You know, they're like, you know, just, it just doesn't feel like something adds up, you know, because you would think, all right, someone like me should, you know, someone like me or me that did what I did, um, Basically, you would think someone like me, what I was trying to say, um, you know, that who did what I did, you think they would have been uh, pointed out before, like they would have been pulled aside way beforehand, as I mentioned before, and then talked to and basically given a warning or coaching or whatever, so that maybe they could prevent that person, me in this case, from continuously doing what I did. But they didn't. And again, what's even in, what's even more interesting, um, as my family has uh, pointed out, uh, what's even more interesting is the fact um, is the fact that basically uh, they waited until they waited until like certain people that were that are usually there when I worked weren't there anymore or weren't there period. So, you know, I, I, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know what to tell you guys on that one, but uh, yeah, it just feel, it just felt weird. You know, my mom even, like I mentioned before, looked at my schedule and sometimes how my hours were uh, reduced and she said to herself, or she kind of said to herself, and then she mentioned it to me, um, that basically it felt it felt like they were getting ready to release me. It's like, to in her opinion, from from what she told me, she felt like you know she was asking herself, are they going to uh, release him? Are they going to you know fire him? What's going on? And Again, you know, they waited until basically certain people were not there to to release me. They they waited until um, the CSM that I, who's the same age as I am and gets along great with me. Uh, they waited till she was gone. You know, they waited till uh, basically, like I said, they they waited uh, till you know till she was gone and uh, off that day, and it's. And again, it's almost like, you know, things just don't add up. 
You know what I'm saying? Things like, wait a minute, why didn't you wait until this person, you know, came back, you know, from, you know, came back a, a day or two later from being off? Why didn't you wait till then? You know, that's what's, you know, that's what's throwing people off a lot about what happened. And it still kind of throws me off a little bit because it's like, wait a minute, you know, you, you know, I'm thinking, why didn't they wait uh, until my CSM, who's the team leader, the front team leader, a friend and team leader, uh, came in and talked and kind of maybe saved my job? Because I think if she, my belief, guys, my belief is she, if she would have been there, honestly. I think I would still be working. I would still be working right now. Um, but I, but that's hard to say. You know, she's just a front-end team leader, and there's not really much she can do. There's not really much say she has. As I just take the camera here a little bit. Uh, but like I said, there's, you know, there's not mu- really much say she has or anything like that. But... Yeah, it's just one of those situations where it just, it felt odd, it felt out of place, and, you know, honestly, like I told my mom, it felt, even though I was sad and upset, what was unusual about it, unlike all my other departures from previous jobs, like, you know, when my job at Fufalus, I didn't, I quit, I didn't, well, I didn't technically quit or anything. A little short story on that. Basically, we were told back in 2005 that Fufales was our location was one of the locations that was being shut down, even though we were in a college city, Lawrence, Kansas, home of the Kansas Jayhawks. Even though we were located there, we were being shut down. And I think it was because we were also in competition with Dylan's, which is the equivalent of Lucky's or Albertson's uh, Costco, you know, out there. So, yeah, basically, I was still, I still technically had a job. I mean, one time I went into the Walmart in Lawrence, Kansas, which I would work in a year later, and I bumped into one of my uh, managers who said, hey, you know, they want to see if you want to come back, you know, just to finish out the day. You know, just finish out, you know, the, you know, the finish out the, the rest of the year, be there when the door shut. And I told him, you know, look, I appreciate it. But, you know, I, I didn't want to be there, honestly, on that final day because it would have been a lot worse. It would have been a lot more emotionally worse for me, along with everybody else, because, you know, we were losing our jobs. And a lot of us were given the option to go transfer to other stores but I couldn't work in Livingworth, Kansas, because that was far on, on, f- further than Lawrence was to Oskaloosa. So, and, and there was no um, options in Topeka, you know. So, I ended up being without a job for a while, for about almost a year, or let, a little over a ha- almost a year, and then I worked at the Walmart in Lawrence, Kansas, and then that was, and then after that, I was gone. I was out of work. Uh, for about seven years, six and a half years, um, I would work uh, doing some pressure washing with my, uh, you know, my brother-in-law uh, and my sister and their business where they would go and they would wash trucks for Comcast slash Xfinity uh, and other places. And they would go all over the Bay Area. They would go to Petaluma. 
They would go to Oakland. They would go to San Francisco. They would go to Concord, Pittsburgh, you name it. Uh, they went everywhere. So uh, basically, um, basically, uh, you know, I, uh, with the, but bas- what I'm trying to get at is basically with that one exception on occasions, which was occasional, which, in a, which wasn't an occasional kind of job, um, I didn't work, work for almost 16. I didn't have a legit, nothing against my brother-in-law's job. It's a great job. You know, and he's going and there's no doubt he and oh, and happy and my brother-in-law's birthday is today. So I got to wish him a happy birthday on Facebook soon. Uh, but like I said, uh, basically, um, what was again? Oh, yeah. Uh, basically, to some, it's not a real legit job, you know, because even though you're contracted to go do this and that for other companies, uh, to some, it's not it's not a real legit job because. All you're doing is just driving around and washing cars and all that. And that's fine. And it's great. And you make a good and you make a good living out of it in some cases. And a lot of people do it. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of businesses. Believe me, when I was working with my brother-in-law, there was like a couple of trucks sometimes a little bit bigger, about the same size or whatever. They would go by us on the highway and they would have the same um, and they would basically be the very same business. And I think it was always like some kind of a competition at times times to see who would land with contracts um anyway though uh basically um i what was i getting at? Oh, yeah but basically you know it was a good it was a job i'll put it that way but it wasn't like you know but it wasn't what people would consider a legit job like one to where you know what your schedule is you got a, you possibly have benefits and all that you know you know what and that you primarily have one destination and directive that you're doing, you know, to a lot of people, it's not like that. I mean, it's a job that pays, but it's a job that's not like on the levels of a, of a Walmart or a Safe Mart or a Lucky's or a Dylan's or whatever. So, <laughs> so yeah, uh, basically, uh, with that being the one uh, employment that I had, you know, when it comes to, I guess, as, like I said, as guess as you know, as people would look at it, you know, legit jobs, if you will. It, you know, it was just like, it was just, <laughs> I, I don't want to say anything bad, but it was basically not, not in the league of, re, you know, real, legit, you get everything you need, eat kind of job out there. But like I said, it was a job and I appreciated the opportunity. The, so yeah. So, uh, the, yeah, after that, um, you know, I, like I said, in between that, I finally ended up working at the Walmart in Patterson. And I worked from basically February to, uh, 18th, 2014 to last month, which was September 14th, 2020. So, yeah, it's been uh, <laughs> one of those years. It was one of the, but yeah, it's been, it was that, that's how long I was at the job. I was there for about six and a half years. And I've also looked at the fact that, and I, and I believe this, and I've mentioned this before, I think over time, maybe not immediately, maybe even not at this moment, but I know over time, those that I've worked with that know I'm capable of doing what I can, that I'm able to do whatever they need me to do, 
they're not going to be there much longer. It's not because they're going to get let go. It's mainly they're going to look back at what happened to me, what's happened to others before me, and they're going to be like, you know what? How can we trust this job if they're willing to remove these people for just simple mistakes? You know? But anyway, uh, yeah. But yeah, it's been about a month, like I said, this past Wednesday since I lost my job or since I was removed. Uh, but as I was mentioning, when I took what I told my mom is when unlike all the other jobs, because and I know I went a little off the <laughs> off topic a little bit, off track a little bit here, but um, now stumbling over my words, I do apologize. That's why I have some Coca Cola with me. <laughs> uh, but basically, what was it again? Oh yeah, but basically, you know. Like I said, uh, what was I trying to? Oh yeah, um, I, you know I would not be surprised if people start leaving. You know, in other words, not being let go, but giving the notices and, and the fact that they're going elsewhere, that they're going to work elsewhere because they can't trust this job with the future if they're willing to let go of people that over petty, over simple mistakes or mistakes. Eggs that could easily be remedied. I mean, some people will look at me taking something like this and a sandwich or a candy bar without paying for it and be like, okay, that's wrong. Let's talk to him. Okay, that's wrong for him to do. Let's talk to him. Let's pull him aside. Because they know that if they give me a warning or coaching or whatever, one, it's one, it's going to help make sure I don't do this ever again. But two, it's also because they know something like this is chump change compared to even more expensive items, if you know what I mean. Anyway, um, getting back on that. But anyway, yeah, this past Wednesday, it's been about, uh, like I said, a year, about a month since I was let go. And then it's yesterday, it was about a month since I last applied to monetize my channel. And I've mentioned this before. I'll mention it again. The reason I never was you know, in a hurry to monetize my channel, even when I didn't have work, should be. Uh, the reason I wasn't much in a hurry to do that was like a lot of people have talked about, we, everybody was kind of unsure about the algorithms and the th analytics and, and statistics and all that when it came to uh, wanting to make some uh, finances off your channel, off your videos. And I was kind of reluctant at first, uh, not because of that ad or anything, but I didn't want to risk maybe losing my channel. And again, you know, YouTube and places like Daily Motion and Vimo that do this were going through a lot of different changes behind the scenes on how they could help uh, people monetize their channel without probably losing it. And, you know, again, I was reluctant to do so even when I was working. I mean, I know there were some people that I subscribed to here, here on YouTube, like Rob the Wonderful and several others that have actual jobs outside of what they do on YouTube. But the reason they monetize their channel on YouTube is to make that extra money on the side. So I can understand that. I can understand that and everything. But with me working at the Big W at Walmart for as long as I was, I felt, hey, I'm making good money. I don't have to worry too much. You know, I get a bonus every quarter. 
you know, this year got more bonuses than I thought we would because of what's going on. So I was, I was fine. I was perfectly, you know, fine and everything, you know, so I didn't really need to go and monetize my channel. And also I would listen to what I would also hear, you know, what people like Angry Joe, Joe Vargas, if you will, and Rob the Wonderful um, and a few others like Bob Show, Rob Thomas and Lynn Cara, Lewis Lovehog and and all of them. And, you know, even Bennett the Sage, you know, and Cinemasker at times, James Rolfe and Mike Mattel and even Doug Walker, Channel Awesome. You know, I would hear what they had to say sometimes when it came to the whole copyright situation, because it wasn't just the fact that they were trying to protect people's rights and you know, rights to fair use and all that and their channels. But also there were times where they would have to come on and explain why certain videos that maybe they just put up can't be seen or, you know, why certain videos that became popular over the years that they were on their channel have suddenly disappeared. And they would have to explain that, you know, it's because they were taken down. It was a copyright filed against them. You know, well, basically they would say either the YT took them down or they took them down because of copyright issues. And if they took them down, they're just reworking them to re-upload them uh, later on without any issues. And, you know, that's what kind of made me kind of, you know, kind of a little... Uh, unsure at first to to do my channel. I mean, even just Alex, formerly Deluxe Man, who's one of my uh, go-tos when it comes to opinions on wrestling and all that, uh, has even had a situation. Even Zarin Nizarak of the Multimedia, or Multimedia Chronicles, um, uh, Sean McLean has had issues when it comes to copyright. And basically, long story short, you know, I hear all this and I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I want to. It's It would be nice to make some money on the side, but I'm not too sure. Da, da, da. But then, of course, like I said, last month I lost my job. So I figured, well, I didn't want to have to do it unless maybe something like this happened. So I ended up applying. And the first time uh, my application did not fully go through. Even though I had all the requirements, the subscriptions, the views, and all that. But as I read more into why it happened, I realized, oh, I have stuff on my channel that's already been posted elsewhere before I posted it. So I'm going to have to correct myself on that. And basically, um, a day or two after my application was, my first application was denied, I, ended, I went through all my channels. I went through all, not all my videos, but I went through several of them to think, okay, which ones are identical to what others have. And I even went through YouTube to see if maybe people had the same thing. And then when I saw that they did, I was like, okay, let me look at the date. I would see the date and I'd be like, okay, I know what to do. So I would take down certain things uh, from my channel because I didn't want to risk, you know, uh, having uh, my reapplication denied. Uh, which I put in la- yes last night. I didn't want my reapplication denied. Um, and uh, by doing so, uh, I reapplied, like I said, last night, and thank the Lord. I even gave it to God. I <laughs> I prayed to him. I said, God, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. I'll give it all to you. I'll give all the glory to you. If this is meant to be, this is meant to be. If not, and I have to wait, you know, okay, so be it. 
and thank the Lord above, it was my application went through. You know, I, I was approved, and now I am monetized. I can now monetize my channel, and even get super chats if I want to get them. If people want to, you know, help me out there. Uh, but yeah, basically, uh, basically in the long run, guys, you know, I am finally monetizing my channel. But that's not all. <laughs> you think getting approved to make some money on the site with my channel is something? Um, not only is that great, and not only like all of us across the country, I finally got, you know, so a clear pathway and directive when it comes to my um, unemployment, if you will, you know, financially. But also today, I got something in the mail from my ex-job, or at least the uh, people associated with the ex-job. Um, let's see what their name is. Uh, Benefits Online is what I'll just call it. It's just going to call Benefits Online. And basically, they're one of the people, and they're basically like the main um, place to... Um, they're basically the main partner of my former job when it comes to people applying for 401k. And let's just say today I got something in the mail that kind of said, yeah, we realize you're no longer working and here's what's going to happen. And they, t and I read it and it told me what to do. So I went online, uh, created an account, uh, did went through all the steps and basically found out that, Oh, I have something in there. I'm going to, I'm going to take it out because I think what I read, I read about this. What I read here was that if I keep it in there, I'm going to get charged, I think. But if I take, but I think what it's also noticing, what I'm noticing maybe, and I got to re, maybe I have to reread it, but it's basically saying, Hey, you know, you got this, this is going to be paid out to you. And then I think they're going to close up the account or close up the 401k portion of my ex-job when it comes to my account with them. So, yeah, I've actually um, finally, finally, um, but I actually um, have a little bit more financially coming in maybe in the next few days. They did send me, my job did send me a final check. Uh, wasn't much. It was just basically enough to help uh, get down the overdrafts I have on my bank. So, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, one of those situations. Uh, but anyway, though, anyway, though, guys, uh, that's what's But anyway, that's what's going on. So, yeah, I am now monetizing my channel. Yes, Super Chats are now officially open if you want to contribute there. Uh, really, it would help out in the long run. Um, yeah, it's, but yeah, it's just um, it's just great. It's just a great um, feeling right now to know that things are starting to look up a little bit. Uh, one thing I have learned about just briefly with this whole you know monetizing deal is you have four, not three, but four different dollar icons when it comes to it. Now you have two dollar icons on your channel. One's on your, uh, one's on the left side, if you will, or right side, depending on how you look at it. Let's see. 
Yeah, one's on the right side and one's on the left side. You know, it, well, with me looking into the camera, looking at the screen, it's left and right here. But when you turn like this, it's right, left. You kind of get the idea. But anyway, there's um, basically on the left side of your screen or right side, depending on how you look at it, mostly left side, you have your video, you have your editing tool, you have your analytic bu uh, button, and you also have the dollar button. And the dollar button, from what I can tell, allows you to see the monetization, I think. Let me check. Yeah, it basically is the display ads, overlay ads, sponsored ads, sponsored cards, you know, skippable video ads, non-skippable video ads. Basically, it allows you, if you want to, to check off, like, you know, what kind of ads you want to be shown during your videos. Like, do you want them seen before, after? Do you want them skippable or not skippable? Stuff like that. And then the other one is just whether you want to turn monetization off on the video or you want to keep it. And that's, like I said, on the right side. That The dollar sign that says on with the word on next to it, it's basically an on and off switch. It's like, do you want to keep it on or do you want to turn it off for that video? Uh, but the other thing I've also learned is the other versions as well. Like you get the red dollar signs on the left, which have the slash through them. Of course, those are the ineligible ones, but they still can be seen. The problem is the reason they're ineligible, and I've talked about this before in my copyright video, is mainly the uh, people that are distributing that are kind of take uh, take creation responsibility or creation credit for what you, whatever you're using, you know, saying, hey, it will cool with you having the video up, no problem, you know, get you more views, cool, gets more attention to your channel, cool, but you're not going to make money off this video because we're the ones that, as I mentioned in the copyright video I did, we're the ones that basically make the money off, we're the ones that brought this song or brought these, you know, um, visuals to life. Life, and we're the ones that by right should be making the money, not you. So I that's basically what the red dollar signs, the dollar icons on the right, with the slash through them are about. But then I also found out that there are other ones that are green, kind of lightish green uh, dollar signs on the right. But mainly what they are, believe it or not, is, you know, sharing. It's like you have, okay, it's like if I'm doing a video like this video, this live stream, could get monetized um, after it's uploaded, uh, Super Chats or not. Uh, well, basically, it can get monetized uh, you know, on its own, no big deal. But there are some videos that if you use content, they will still have the dollar sign on the right, as, you know, in the color green, but it might be a little darker green or lighter green, and that means you're sharing revenue uh, with the people, with the content, with the people that uh, copyrighted the content. In other words, it's like you're getting a piece of it, they're getting a piece of it, stuff like that. So uh, that's how I understand it. And then we have the yellow ones, which are called limited. In other words, the limited ones are like you could still make money, but there may not be many ads and all that because of what's involved in the video, whether it's an MK11, you know, playthrough, you know, uh, or a fight or whatever, 
or it's a oh it's a video where you're talking about something that maybe is too sensitive i don't know but basically there's that yellow dollar sign that's the yellow orangey dollar sign that's basically stands for limited um availability as they call it so yeah but with all that said guys i am finally uh like i say monetizing my channel and without further ado let's talk about the topics we have uh to discuss today yes we have eight topics to get to hopefully without any interruption so let's get into them. I know we're about a half hour in, but I just wanted to get all that off my chest to let you guys know what's up, what's going on. So the first topic we're going to talk about today will be about last night slash Thursday night's separate town halls. In case you don't know, both Donald Trump and Joe Biden had separate town hall um, uh, specials. Uh, Donald's was on NBC. Joe's, on a, Joe's was on ABC. Uh Number two, the second, so we'll talk about that. Second topic is about possibly more movies heading to streaming services. We'll get into that and tell you which ones have been um, announced, or at least which new ones have been given the uh, green light to go to streaming. Uh, number three, we will talk about should the Big Ten and possibly the Pac-12, if they get their butts together, be allowed to compete in the big bowl games. We'll talk about that. Uh, number four, we'll talk about AEW All Elite Wrestling one-year anniversary for Dynamite. We'll give give thoughts on that. Number five, we'll talk about Darkwing Duck, possible pilot that debuts uh, this weekend slash Monday and could more Disney Afternoon rebooted pilots be on the horizon? We'll get onto that. We're also going to talk about uh, could and could base number six will be uh, we'll talk about could the MLP 2021 movie be VOD bound instead of theatrical bound. We'll get into that. Number seven, we'll talk about more on the rally for Sally campaign and how much further it's gotten. And number eight, to finish us off, we'll talk about more or we'll have more talk on Disney's new media strategy yeah so basically that's a lot to <laughs> to uh, take in so anyway as i put in the uh tags as i put in the words or sayings in the tagline um here let's talk about our first uh topic I get this going here. Oh, yeah. So last night, and I'll be right back before I do that. I was just checking something, folks. But anyway. As I was saying, last night, um, both Joe Biden and Donald Trump had separate town hall um, specials. And um, Joe Biden, you know, had his advertised about a couple of days in advance. And Donald Trump, I guess, decided, you know what? 
I'm not going to let him get a step ahead of me, you know, and manipulate these people. I'm going to have one as well. So Donald ended up having one on uh, with NBC. And, you know, when you view, I didn't watch, but I didn't, I'll put it this way. I did not watch both of them, but I'm going by what other people have been saying. And honestly, in my opinion, it, it sounds like basically uh, just the way ABC was describing it in the YouTube clips uh, from the Joe Biden one. You know, basically, it, it sounds like a lot of people, a lot of Americans like myself, want answers. They want the truth. It's like, you know, the sick and tired of excuses. They want an answer. And, um, you know, it wasn't just Joe either that they were. this was happening to. They also did this with, uh, with Donald doing his town hall uh, special. You know, people were just pressuring them, pressing them down, answering the questions questions that they wanted answers to and i could kind of tell just by hearing it you know when it was happening and maybe noticing it at times that with the donald trump one and i'm pretty sure the same with the joe biden one when the people would ask them the questions you know they weren't satisfied uh with the answers they were given you know they were like yeah you can give us those answers and we'll take them for right now but it's not what we want you know, it's like to to them, you know, if you're going to uh, basically, uh, if you're going to basically try to run for an office, especially in this case, a uh, president, then you need, in a lot of people's mind nowadays, you need to give them straight answers. You can't just, you know you know, hide behind, behind the fact that, oh, well, if you do this for me, um, I'll let you know then and all that. And I think that's why uh, ABC in some of the videos was saying, was basically highlight, uh, entitling them, you know, folks pressuring Joe Biden. Because, you know, it's like, hey, look, you know, we want answers and don't give us uh, the excuses um, of, oh, well, if you vote for me kind of deal. You know, to them, it's like don't, don't, don't mess with them. Don't, don't mess, don't, don't play with their minds or anything. Is what it was. You know, it's like don't, don't mess with our minds. Don't play with our minds, kind of deal. And, um, I, and I think honestly, you know, a lot of people are just, you know, on both ends of the spectrum are just like sick and tired of waiting. They want an answer. You know, you know they, they, they want an answer. They don't want to be left in the dark or anything like that. They want a straight answer from Biden or Trump. They want the truth. They want them to just come out and say, okay, here's what I'm going to do. Oh, okay, this is what's going to happen, da, da, da. You know, they want straight answers. They don't want BS thrown their way. You know, they don't want that. They want a legitimately straight um, answer, uh, if you know what I mean. They, they don't want to be waiting, you know, for a long time. They want a straight answer. You know. You know, they want that straight answer. They, they, they don't, they don't want to be yanked around anymore. 
And, you know, again, I don't think anybody could, could blame them for that, for feeling that way, because, you know, it's like enough's enough with them. It's like enough's enough. You know, they're sick and, you know, they're tired of it. And they just want a straight answer and they don't want to be yanked around. So I think honestly, um, you know, I think honestly both kind of came out equal. I mean, I heard, I mean, I re- I watched a clip where Hannity, uh, Hannitin, Hannitin, uh, Hannity, I can't remember the name, but Hannitin uh, on Fox basically called out Savannah Guthrie uh, from turning the town hall thing last night, uh, Thursday night, I should say, um, into a debate. I mean, he basically, Hannity basically said that Savannah was just being a a stand-in for Joe Biden. And, you know, you could believe that if you will. You know, if you want to agree with that, fine. That's that's not a problem. I, I didn't see that, honestly. I didn't. I didn't really see that, in my opinion. Um, what I saw was Savannah doing probably the best job I think of anybody that was moderating uh, anything, whether it's a d- debate or a town hall. I think Savannah, and this is straight up shoot, straight up um, shoot, if you will. I, I think Savannah did a good job. Yeah, she was pressing Donald for a lot of questions. With, oh, with a lot of questions. Oh, not a lot of questions, but she was definitely pressing Donald for answers, like legit answers uh, in her, from her perspective. But I think if you look besides her kind of trying to pressure him, like the people in that town hall were trying to get answers out of him. I think honestly, she probably did the best job I've ever seen. Honestly. I mean, I think if you're, you know, NBC, your Fox, your CBS, ABC, you know, CNN, whoever you want to, Whoever is your go-to, you know, news coverage uh, channel. I, I think honestly, you know, you want someone like Savannah Guthrie that is going to kind of pressure the person they're talking to for answers, but will do it in a way that feels like it's not, not that bad. You know, feels like okay, she's just trying to get answers, and you know, she'll move on. So, and if she can't get them, she'll just move on. So I believe she did a, probably the best job out of any person I've seen debate-wise or town hall-wise when it comes to moderating for moderating a situation involving Trump, Biden, or both. So I, I really think she... Uh, just drinking some Coca-Cola there. Uh, so I think, honestly, she did a great job. Um... Does this kind of like build up for what's going to happen at, at the debate next week or a week after? It all depends. I don't know if it's going to, you know, really help out or anything. I do know that it seems that the, and maybe it's just my opinion, maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like the wheels from what some, even some pro, as they call them, as some people call them out to be pro Biden Harris. Uh, networks, media networks, social media networks, whatever you want to call them, channels, you know, uh, have been uh, pointing out, it, it seem, or calling out and pointing out, it seems like some of the wheels are starting to fall off the Biden-Harris train. Now, I could be wrong, 
but they're also reporting some things that Biden has said. Like recently at one of his rallies or something like that, he said that voters don't deserve to know what he's going to do when it comes to the court. Excuse me, that whether he's going to pack it or not. You know, they don't deserve to know until after the election. You know, when here's the thing. When you do something like that, from my from what I've seen in over the years, you do something like that and you say, Oh, well, the people though people are gonna oh people are gonna vote for me anyway, so they don't need to know what I'm gonna do until after I'm in. Yep, they're not gonna know. You know, when you do that, that doesn't make you look good. That makes you look like you're hiding something and you shouldn't be. So you know, it seems, and again, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. It seems that the wheels are falling off. That's my opinion. Feels like the wheels are falling off uh, the wagon, the train, if you will. But again, I could be wrong. You know, maybe that's the, maybe that's how one news news outlet, you know, um, wants you to see it, wants you to view it. But we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. But, you know, this is going to be a really unusual uh, election. There's no doubt about that. And a lot's going to change. A lot, there's going to be some, if not a lot, that will make. It's going to be 50-50 when it's all said and done. I'll put it that way. It's going to be 50-50. It's like half of it's going to stay the same. Half of it's going to change. You know, so it's going to still remain. It's going to be 50-50 down the line. You know, it's going to be 50-50 down the line. But um, but as far as last night's town halls, I mean, I didn't, like I said, I didn't watch Biden. I barely watched the Trump one. But from what I could tell, you know, both, I'm pretty sure both, if not one of them, I'm not going to say who, is hoping they don't have to go through another town hall meeting ever again. Because people, when you're dealing with legit, hardworking people like myself, and they want, and they're going to, and knowing that they're going to ask you a question that they're going to want a straight answer to, you'd probably be thankful you don't have to deal with something like this for a while, if not ever again, yourself. So, so yeah, um, I don't know. I think it's kind of about, again, just like I feel the election, uh, basically, I feel it was about even. Just like I feel everything's going to be after the election's all said and done, all the results and stuff we're in. You know, I feel it's going to be 50 50. I feel last night's town deals on both sides of the spectrum uh, were um, were basically down were very much even. They were down the middle. And again, I'm going to stick by what I said. You know, even if she pressured him for questions and everything, or pressured him for answers with certain questions or follow up questions to what, you know, a citizen, excuse me, a, a citizen was asking him, you know, even though she, you know, pressured him with those follow-up questions for answers. You know, I think, you know, despite how you feel about how you view it, I think Savannah probably did the best job she could. I think she did a lot better than some people give her credit for. I think she did. And I, again, she's the, and what she did last night, in my opinion, exemplifies the kind of person you want moderating town halls or even debates. Because even though they, may want to get an answer or may try to say, hey, okay, your time's up. Let's go to this person. At least they're going to try to do it in a more respectful manner. And I think that's, and I think Savannah got three, good three, uh, 
And I think Savannah Guthrie last night did that, in my opinion. I think she did. So anyway, moving on to our second topic here. Moving on to a second topic as I go check something. Just checking something again, guys. But as we move on to our second topic, our second topic is about more movies heading to streaming services. Okay, so in case you don't know, uh, people from John Camp, uh, John Campa, to um, to many others have mentioned. Even Variety brought this up that the sequel to the late 80s um, comedy, uh, smash hit comedy, Coming to America, Coming to America 2, is not going to be going theatrical. Instead, Paramount has made a deal with Amazon, and Amazon's going to present it as an Amazon uh, um, original movie, or movie original. Or Amazon original, period. But basically, it's going to be an Amazon original movie uh, licensed to them licensed out and distributed to them by Paramount. And this is not a surprise to anybody. I mean, John Campa, I mean, John Campa and Rob, his, his co-host Rob, uh, they all, they both agreed that this was something that, that if there was any movie, any other future movie that was planned to come out this year theatrically that could, you know, go from being delayed to possibly VOD um, it was going to be coming to America too, and that's exactly what happened. So yeah, coming to America too uh, is VOD bound, but it's not the only one that's VOD streaming, you know, bound. If you know what I mean, you know, because even though it's going to Amazon and, like I say, being presented as an Amazon original movie uh, distributed by Paramount, there is another one. That is being released um, as well as we speak. Yeah, there is another one that's being released uh, as well. Let's see. to find it here. Here we go. Let's see, it's it's here somewhere. Oh, I know. Let me let me take the past week. That'll do. Let's see. Hold on, guys. 
know it's uh Oh, I know what to do. <laughs> yeah. I don't see it somewhere. Oh, here we go. There's my help. Wikipedia. Sorry for the silence, anybody listening on the uh, audio portion. What is that one? I know I just saw. Oh, wait a minute. Let me, let me go to YouTube. To the, um, not my channel one, but the subscription one. Hold on, guys. We got a history. Let me see if I can look down here for a second. I don't think they took it off or anything, but they shouldn't have. <laughs> So, let me see. Come on, baby. Come on. Let's see. See, I know it's in. It's probably earlier than I thought. You see. There we go. Um, it's called. Hi Opai Ka, you animal. That's what it's called. Maybe yeah, I just turn off the volume here just in case I get the full context. It's it uh, Hi Opai Ka, the Nifam uh, Diamina story. 
or whatever it's called. <laughs> Yeah, but that, like I was mentioning, Coming to America 2 isn't the only thing heading to streaming. Uh, this one that I just mentioned, I probably butchered the name on it, is also heading to streaming courtesy of Netflix. High Up Kai, High Up Kai, uh, which is the Nifa Dimaro story, Dimaro's story, uh, which translates to use. Uh, you uh, SOB, I'll put it that way, or you animal, is a movie, an adult animated romantic comedy coming out of the Philippines. It's produced by Rocket Sheep Studio and Spring Films and is set to debut uh, in a, a basically uh, 13 days on Netflix. So, yeah, it's going to have an R rating, I think, an MA, a TV MA slash. R rating because yeah, it's going to be dealing with some uh, very adult uh, subjects. But you can definitely tell, I think, that this was a, a movie that animation-wise, be honest, I think was also planned for theatrical release this year here in America. I'm not lying. I think it was. I think it was one of those films that... Uh, was going to mainly be shown at night, possibly. Uh, it's going to be one of those shows that it goes into selective theaters, but if it ends up in any of the major ones, it's slotted to take over. It's basically scheduled to take over the slot of a movie that was already, that had already been in the theaters for like maybe a month or two and was getting ready to end its run there before heading to streaming and home video. I think that's probably what was going to be the... Um, the way it was going to be showcased in theaters. But again, because of what's going on, just like with Coming to America 2, it is uh, basically heading to streaming courtesy of Netflix. So, yeah, it's going to be really, it's going to be an interesting, um, so it's going to be interesting to watch because apparently this is being hyped up, uh, but it's an adult animation. It's an adult animated uh, romantic comedy. And it looks like from what the trailers show that if there's any like fantasy moments, if you will, in there that play off uh, the main leads. And her name is Nafima, Nafima, Nympha, Nympha, N-I-M-F-A, Nympha, Nympha, or whatever. Um, basically, if any of these fantasies play off her urges if you know what i mean then uh yeah it's going to be it'll be an interesting watch for anybody that wants to check it out but yeah that's um again that's another example of i think something that was potentially going to hit theaters very limitedly and be shown mostly at night you know like around eight seven thirty eight o'clock um that's just another example of something that's now heading to uh streaming and there are other movies that are potentially going to you know, hit streaming as well as we get closer, as they get as we get closer to what would have been the original release dates. I mean, we know Soul. We know Soul, the Disney slash Pixar uh, animated film, was supposed to be theatrical this summer, this past summer, but because of what's been going on, it got delayed until about Thanksgiving. 
And then because of the unsureness of theaters being open and then Regal saying, hey, until this is cleared up or at least, you know, until we have most of the country up, a, you know, in a certain tier to where, hey, it's A-OK to bring people back. We're going to shut down on we're going to shut down temporarily. You know, with that being like, I think the final nail in the 2020 coffin. You know, they're like, yeah, uh, Disney's like, yeah, uh, let's just put this on Disney Plus like we did with Onward because, you know, we have a better chance of getting an audience there than we do theatrically. Excuse me for a second. You okay? Just checking on my, checking on my dog. She's got allergies. She's fine. Fine. Uh, she just does that every time she wakes up a little bit. Well, not every time, but on, on occasions. But yeah, you know, Soul is another example. Like I said, you know, Disney's like, you know, they just threw up their hands and said, forget it. You know, let's just uh, let's put it on on Dis- Disney Plus service and be done with it. So, yeah, these are just an example of more movies heading to streaming than, you know, being at least held off until maybe some kind of opening is made theatrically. Um, but the biggest question is, is that going to be the future, um, even going into next year? Who knows? I mean, I mean, it's obvious basically that, you know, it's obviously, it's obviously, uh, should I say it's obviously, what I'm trying to get at is basically it's obvious that, Warner Brothers and Disney does not want to put Wonder Woman or Black Widow into streaming. But you never know. I mean, they, Patty, I mean, recently John Campa uh, on his show answered a fan's question about this rumor going around that Wonder Woman could potentially be seen a VOD slash streaming uh, release instead of theatrical. But then you have Patty Jenkins coming out, the person behind the Wonder Woman 84 and the first Wonder Woman movie saying, no, that's not going to happen because we're still committed to a theatrical release. And when you have someone like the director, the person behind it, producer director that, you know, um, helped bring the, that was a major reason the whole thing came to life and the potential third movie coming to life. You know, when she comes out or when they come out and says, uh, yeah, that rumor about VOD, you can toss that in the trash. It's not true. But there's always a saying of where there's smoke, there's fire. And, you know, even John and his co-host for that day, I think her name was Aaron. uh, They both agreed that, hey, even though they probably figured it wouldn't be true. Still, it shows people are invested into watching this movie and wanting to see this movie, even if it means they have to watch it at home. And, you know, that could be why, you know, some people started that rumor or some kind of news outlet, media outlet started that rumor. And, you know, so, and now, and, um, you know, again, you know, it just shows uh, the kind of time frame we're in right now to where people even believe these big, potential blockbuster films that are being held off till next year, um, you know, are going to probably end up being VOD bound with a, you know, the studios want to admit it or not. And again, you have directors and producers behind the film saying, no, that's not true. We're still committed to theaters. Here's the thing though. 
even with Patty Jenkins saying that it's not going to happen that way, even with Patty Jenkins saying we're not going to uh, do streaming, we're not going to do VOD with Wonder Woman 84, some people will come out and say, yeah, you're just saying that because you're in denial. You don't want to admit that you're going to end up doing Wonder Woman 84 to VOD and streaming. You just don't want to admit it. You don't have the guts to admit it. You know, and unfortunately, people have their, and unfortunately, a lot of people, when it comes to something like that, have their opinion. And there's nothing you can stop them from, from saying otherwise, or change their mind, I should say, from saying otherwise. You know, if they believe, you know, Patty Jenkins is just de- de- uh, denying the inevitable, you know, then fine, that's their opinion. You know, the one thing that Warner Brothers and Patty Jenkins has to be careful of now because of this rumor that, you know, she had to debunk as not being true uh, coming out is there's a potential that someone could try to sneak the hard drive, uh, basically the hard drive, the, um, let me me show you something as an example. You know, they got to be weary that someone doesn't take something like this. Well, maybe not like this. This maybe something the size of an, an external hard drive. I've, um, but anyway, they got to be careful that somebody doesn't take the film because a lot of films nowadays are now on these kind of things, if not the external ones, and basically try to upload it to upload it online so people could see the movie. So they can at least make the whole rumor of, see, 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 it went to streaming. See, it went to video on demand. Da, 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 da. You know, they can at least give some kind of, uh, uh, valer- uh, uh, not valerity, um, uh, validation, give it some kind of validation of being true. So Patty and Warner Brothers, um, basically, you know, they, they got to be careful about that now because again there's that old saying of where there's smoke there's fire and people will be willing to you know ignite a fire and make it a a reality they will they will be willing to make a fire you know they're willing to take that they're willing to take that smoke and make it into a real fire they are um again though if you have someone like Patty Jenkins, the person behind the movie coming out and saying, no, that's not going to happen, then you got to take that as legit. But again, like I said, some people will say, oh, she's just denying it. She's just denying the inevitable. She knows it's going to go to streaming and VOD. She might as well stop denying the inevitable. You know, and and fine. You know, if that's how they feel, they have the right to their opinion. But the fact of the matter is this, whether you like it or you don't like it, you know, if someone behind, if, if the person behind the film comes out and has to debunk the fact that a certain film, that that film in particular is not going to go VOD streaming, then you have to believe them because if they are committed to still saying, hey, you want to immerse yourself in this movie, you go to the theaters, you buy yourself a dang a, a, a dang ticket, if you will. And that's how you and sit in the seat there and enjoy it. You know, if they feel if that's how they, if they're still committed to doing that, then they're going to do it. 
But I think the reason, I think honestly the reason, in my opinion, why a lot of people want, uh, you know, I, I think honestly why a lot of people begin these kind of rumors, either for Wonder Woman 84 or Black Widow or for even Tenet, even though it went theatrical and got some positive reviews and, and box office numbers. Um, but for any other future release out, you know, coming out next year, you know, the reason they're more inclined to saying, oh, it might just go to streaming because they don't know when they're going to release it. You know, it's mainly because they've gotten adjusted to being at home and watching these movies now. They've got adjusted to basically, you know, being on their tap uh, computers like this or on their phones or if their TV has it, watching it on the big 4K or even 8K televisions isn't. You know, they're used to watching it there with the immerseness of maybe a surround sound system to go with it. They're more used to that now than anything else. And, you know, to them, you know, once, I mean, not to them, but what I'm trying to say is to them, you know, now that they've gotten into some kind of that, you know, that that mindset, that habit, if you will, they're going to be very reluctant to want to go and spend money on a ticket to go to the theaters and watch something that, Hey, you know, you, you don't to, to where they can be like, Hey, you don't know if the theaters are going to be open when you schedule it to be released. How do you know everything's going to be open? You know, maybe VOD is better. I don't know, but yeah, you know, I think that's what's happened. I think honestly, a lot of people have become so immersed in just being at home and being in front of their computers or their 4k, 8k, 1440p or 1080p uh, televisions, you know, big screens and all that with the immersed surround sound of a bow of a boy of a Bose surround system or a regular, you know, Durabrand like mine, Durabrand surround system or JVC or Philips or whatever. They become so immersed in, you know, watching the newest movies from the comfort of their home that they're not going to want to be in a hurry to go to the box office and watch something on the big screen if they could watch it at home. And to them, the advantages are, are major. The advantages are huge. One, they don't have to get up before, get up during previews or the beginning of a film or the middle of the film and go get, go use the restroom or the movie's still going on and they have to come back and ask what they missed or go get popcorn or alcohol or whatever, you know, and then ask what they missed. No, what they could do basically it's just take the remote, go, just take the remote, go to the pause button, go click. And then next thing you know, they can get up, go over to the fridge, you know, go over to, well, I'm say go over to the fridge, open it up, you know, go in, grab a bottle of Coke, beer, soda, go over to the microwave or go over to the cupboard or the pantry open it up, get a reach in, get a bag of popcorn or, or a bowl of M&M's, M's, you know, put the popcorn in the microwave, you know, let it pop, you know, relax, you know, get up on your feet, kind of stretch a little bit. And then after the popcorn's done, you got the bowl, you, you can bring it out of the microwave. You got your napkins and everything. You got your bowl of uh, M&M's. You go right back to your seat. Like this, put your stuff down on your table or where you're sitting at, grab your remote and click. 
unpause, and away you go. You just continue where you left off. And people have gotten into that habit. People have gotten into that habit. And I think even, and I think people like John Campa or John Campy has, you know, is noticing this. And he's like, look, there are ways you can open the theaters. You know, we've seen it and it can be, we've seen it elsewhere. It can be done. And I think the reason he's bringing that up is because he, who's worked in the movie industry, is realizing the same thing. People have become complacent. They've become too adjusted and immersed into watching the newest films from home. And, and, you know, and sometimes that's not a good thing. I mean, here's what I'm talking about. Here's what I'm talking about. So when Universal... DreamWorks made the announcement that they were going to do Trolls World Tour in theaters, very limited because they knew they had a time frame before they would probably close down to uh, basically a VOD, premium VOD, basically rental only for a time. You know, people became complacent. I mean, when they found out, hey, wait a minute, this is going to be in theater. Not only is this going to be in theaters, but it's also going to be on premium VOD rental only on the same day. That means I can watch it at home in the comfort of I can watch it in the comfort of my own home. I don't have to get up or any. I don't have to miss anything. I can grab my remote, pause it, you know, get a drink or whatever. Because of this movie, because of the decision that Universal made, aid and that you know, basically because of the decision that Universal made. Uh, when it came to this, and then later on with other studios like Disney and Warner Brothers and most of them following suit, of course we ended up having a situation to where uh, people would rather watch the newest films in the comfort of their own home instead of going to the theaters. And that's why you have people like John Campy coming out, or John Campa coming out and saying, hey, people are becoming too complacent we need to do something about this movie theaters that they want the money. They want to get people back. They got to reopen, but they, but you know, they have to reopen eventually and they can reopen, but they have to do it with two modifications. And those modifications, as he's pointed out in several of his shows, when asked about this can be done. It, it can be done. Like I said, it, it can be done, and like I said, it can be done. You know, and he and he's mentioned, like like I said, John Campa has mentioned it on many several occasions that something like that can be done, and others have talked about that. But the, again, the reason why you have people starting up rumors like Wonder Woman eighty four or Black Widow, this movie or that movie going possibly to VOD and streaming, is because they become so complacent and adjusted to watching, like I said, the news movies at home. That again, with even with a vaccine coming up in the future, if not sooner than later, they're still not going to trust the theaters. You know, the theaters like Regal or AMC or Cinemark, they could say, "Oh, we've taken all the protocols. You know, we made all the modifications. Things are going to be okay." People are still ain't going to trust them, and people are going to come up with the reason, the excuse of, 
How do we know you guys are going to follow through on that? We don't know if you're going to follow through on that. And oh, by the way, we've become, you know, by the way, we've pretty much figured out that it's better just to watch the news movies at home because we don't have to move around on that much. We don't have to be around germs that much. So, so yeah, basically, to me, I think honestly, you know, it, you know, people starting that rumor is just because they become too complacent, too used used to the uh, situation that they're in right now. So that's why, you know, people started that rumor. And that's why you had people, you had someone like Patty Jenkins have to come out and say, no, it's not true. We're still committed to a theatrical release. So, yeah, but um, like I said, uh, like I said, the Nafim, Naf, the, um, but like I said, movies like Coming to America to the Nafima, a story uh, that's from the Philippines coming to Netflix. You know, Soul going, Soul, Disney Pixar, Soul going to Disney Plus. Uh, you know, these are just examples of more movies heading to streaming services because of what's going on and also potentially opening the door for other movies to follow suit uh, should, you know, things, you know, should movie theaters not kind of reopen fully uh, within the next year. So, yeah, that's basically all I can say on that topic right there. So now, moving on to number three, our third topic. <sighs> Excuse me. I had to drink some soda. There. Moving on to topic number three, and that is, should the Big Ten and possibly the Pac-12, because we haven't heard anything yet, but should the Big Ten and possibly the Pac-12 be allowed to compete in the big bowl games um, at the end of the season. But basically, should they be allowed to compete in the big bowl games? And those games, of course, being the New Year's Six, um, the college football playoffs, and I think even some of the uh, bowl games that lead into that um, as well. Uh, but mostly like the New Year's Six and the uh, the college football playoffs. And I've talked about this before, and honestly, folks, I think it's only fair that even if the Big Ten and the Pac-12 begin play at the end of this month, mostly the Big Ten, and then the Pac-12 maybe at the end of this month, if not into next year, I think on – not next year, but next – yeah, you know, basically, what I'm trying to say is my opinion, honestly – is I think the big is that even if the Big Ten, even with the Big Ten starting up supposedly at the end of this month, and the Pac-12 possibly following at the beginning of next month, maybe we're not sure yet. Um, I don't think they should be allowed to compete in the big bowl games. I mean, yes, as I've mentioned before, the name value like of Ohio State, Michigan, Nebraska, Wisconsin, you know, they're very appealing. They're very appealing and very attractive, especially for ratings. But, but I just don't think it would be fair to all the other college football teams out there uh, that have been playing uh, since the since officially the start of the season. I don't think it would be fair to the mid-major schools or semi-major schools or conferences that have been going, have been playing since the start of the year. I don't think it would be fair to the Mountain West. 
I don't think it'd be fair to the AAC. You know, heck, I don't think it'd be fair to the Sun Belt. You know, and they're getting more exposure, most of these conferences, than they've ever thought they could, all because of what's going on. And by getting the exposure that they're getting, I don't think they should have any opportunity taken away from them. I think they should be given the opportunity that originally would go to the Pac-12 teams and the Big Ten teams. I think that's I think that's what should happen. I think the Big Ten and the Pac-12, yes, if they do play, and the Big Ten right now is scheduled to, Pac-12, I'm not too, totally sure yet. Hold on. Let me check that out. Um, I think, honestly, they should be satisfied or at least, you know, take the pride that they have and out of respect, step aside and let the smallest schools uh, play, play in their place. And then, then they just for this year, playing the bowl games that they would play, that the smallest schools like a Sunbelt or a Mountain West or an AAC would play in. So instead of, like, say, the third-seeded AAC team um, playing in a mid-major bowl, instead have a Pac-12 or a Big Ten team go in in their place. So that way, that AAC, AAC team can have a chance maybe at being in a New Year's Day Six Bowl. So So basically and yes we will have a Pac-12 season. So that's pretty good. At least we're going to get one. And let me see when it's supposed to start Wikipedia will tell us. See. Okay, so September 24th, the Pac-12 conference announced the postponement of fall sports was to be ended and teams returned to play with a six-game conference-only season to begin on November 6th. Okay, so that's pretty cool. At least they're going to get to play. But the thing is, I believe, honestly, these teams should at least um, let the smaller conferences or the mid-major conferences take over, at least for this year. It's only fair. Because, honestly, what are you going to do? You're going to put a 6-0 and team, a 6-0 and team in the college football playoff. That, that don't make sense. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm being honest. I'm being honest. It doesn't make sense. Uh, let's see what else it says. It says, it says uh, okay, all fall sports was to be ended and teams returned to play with six game conference season, conference only season to begin on November 8th or November 6th. And the Pac 12 championship game on December 18th with the rest of the conference seeded for a seventh game. Okay. So what that means basically is you got your two top teams, the, I think it was the North and the South, I think. I think that's what it is. Yeah, North Division, South Division. So they're going to play in, 
the champions, the champions of both comp, uh, divisions are going to play in the conference championship. Well, the other teams will at least get one more game to possibly get bowl eligible. So at least you won't, you know, have, um, so at least there'll be something there. Excuse me. So anyway, anyway, though, like I said, I, my honest opinion, my honest opinion, like I said, is I think, I think basically the teams, the, the Pac-12 teams and the Big Ten teams should step aside and, you know, just let, you know, teams in the AAC and the Mountain West, you know, even the Sun Belt, uh, basically take over. Just take those spots for this year because you can't tell me that even with a shortened season, there won't be criticism. Now, I know people will say, well, they had no choice, Brian. You know, with everything going on, they, they couldn't start regularly because they weren't sure what's going to happen. And I understand that. I do. But why take opportunity away from the schools that have been working harder uh, than, the, than these two conferences? Why take those opportunities away from them? Why not just say, "Hey, these teams have been going for, they've been doing this longer than you. They went through all the through all the trials. Let's let them play, and then you guys can take the spots." That's about it. That's about it. So, um, I, I just feel that basically they they need to, uh, in, in my honest opinion, in my honest opinion, they. They need to just, you know, let the smaller schools, the mid-major conferences, smaller conferences, they should let them be the ones that have the spotlight this year. Because let's be honest. Let's be honest. We're seeing how a lot of football is being played right now, right? College and pro. You have limited fans, no fans. Guess what? They still could have played. They still could have played. No, Even with no fans, they still could have played. And they know it. And they know it. They know they still could have played, but they didn't. They didn't play because of the fear of what was going on around here. And again, that's understandable. That is understandable. I get that. I totally get that. But the thing is, the thing is, this shouldn't be something that holds, this shouldn't be something that holds them back. You know, Take a look at what Major League Baseball's doing. They're playing a lot. They're play, they got crowds now. Well, not total crowds, but they got fans attending the playoffs in uh, in basically different areas, different venues. You know, if you will. And guess what? You know, and guess what? Nothing. They're taking the right protocols and everything. Everything is fine. So to me. You know, if the Pac-12 and the Big Ten really wanted to be part of this and really want to have an opportunity, an equal opportunity like they do every year, they should have at least started at the beginning of the year with the modifications that a lot of schools, a lot of college, uh, a lot of college football, and then, and even the NFL have been doing. But they didn't. They didn't. They just decided, oh, okay, we'll just start it, start towards the the part of the season where it really matters. That that don't make that doesn't make sense. 
Now, again, like I said with the Big Ten, I can understand the attractiveness to you know with a when it comes to a team like USC and UCLA and Stanford and Cal. I get that. And you're in Oregon and Oregon State and Washington and Washington State. I get all that. I totally get it. But basically what you're doing is you're taking away the opportunity for each team that's been doing it since the officially since the very first day of the season. You're taking away the opportunity at being in the spotlight for once. I mean, like I said earlier, they're getting more coverage than they've ever gotten before. And you want to take that away from them. No, you don't do that. What you do out of respect for them going out and playing the entire season since the beginning, what you do is you take a step back and you say, you know what? We don't want in the playoffs. We don't want in the college, the New Year's Day six. You know what we want? We want these teams, these conferences to take our place so that they can be rewarded for doing the ju- for doing what we were supposed to do since the beginning. I think it's only fair. So honestly, do I think, my opinion, do I th- think the Big Ten and the Pac-12 should be allowed to compete in these big bowl games, the New Year's Six and the playoffs? No. Is it going to probably happen? Yes. But do I think, and honestly, it should? No. Because you'll be taking away an opportunity from the schools and the conferences that have been playing since the beginning. That's my opinion. That's just my opinion. And I, and I know some people may or may not agree with it. But it's my opinion, and I'm sticking to it. You know, it's my opinion. I'm sticking to it. And I'm sure there are others that would agree. Like I said, I'm sure there are others that would agree. Uh, but anyway, anyway, now that anyway, anyway, now let's move on to topic number four. And topic number four is AEW All Elite Wrestling. It's one year anniversary of the weekly show Dynamite. Now I'll be honest, I haven't watched all of Dynamite. I've watched highlights on YouTube and Twitter. I've heard what people like just Alex, formerly Delexman, have had to say about it. Um, and I think, and I have to give props to them for doing, for coming out, you know, just coming out of nowhere and giving WWE, even if it's through NXT, giving them a run for the money. Because, you know, you're getting some tremendous matchups. Matchups that WWE has yet to do in the longest time. You know, you're getting basically dog collar matches, which we haven't seen in years. I mean, I mean, if you were told me that this year we would have Cody Rhodes and Brody Lee, a.k.a. For, you know, formerly Luke Harper, if you would have told me, honest opinion, if you would have told me a year ago a year ago, when he was still in WWE, that Luke Harper, one year later, or a year and a half later, would be tied by the neck in a dog collar match with Cody Rhodes. I wouldn't have believed you. If you would have told me that John Moxley and Brody Lee would have a rematch 
almost what was it? I, I guess what five, four, three years later in AEW. If you would have told me they were going to have a rematch from the WWE days, and the match would be better, if not more brutal at times, I don't think anybody would have believed you. If you would have told me that FTR, formerly the Revival, and I think that's what it stands for, but I think the F, I think formerly is replaced by another word, was going to be the AEW Tag Team Champions one year after they won the Raw Tag Team titles, I wouldn't have believed you. If you would have told me in within a year's span that the Revival, FTR, was going to be, you know, was going to hold the championships of both Raw and SmackDown uh, individual times, and then a year later, the AEW titles, wouldn't have believed you. Would not have believed you. But it happened. It happened. But it happened. That, and you can't deny that. You cannot deny that. I mean, and I got to give credit. I mean, and here's the thing. Even with what's been, even with what's been going on, I got to give them credit. You know, AEW, they didn't shy away from it. They didn't shy away from the fact that things have been happening. You know, they even had to adjust sometimes to show to how they would air Dynamite. I mean, heck, when this whole thing happened, where did they take Dynamite? They took it. What's his name? Um, they took it to QT Marshall's wrestling school. An undisclosed location. They went to QT Marshall's wrestling school to show Dynamite. Did they get in trouble a little bit? Uh, maybe. I think there was some kind of report that happened that they got caught. But they they filmed it there. They filmed several episodes there. Point is, the point is, guys, AEW has done a lot in the past year than we can give them credit for. They've basically had to readjust everything they had planned because of what's going on. And they did it, and I'll admit it, in a very successful way. Now, is it kind of crazy? Now, I know one of the criticisms that AEW has gotten over the past year, if not in the past several months, is that a majority of their championships, with the exception of the women's title, are held by WWE stars, former WWE stars. Hakiro, Hakiro, what's her name? Uh, Shida, I'll just call her Shida. Hakiro Shida is the only non-WWE star to hold an AEW championship, that being the women's championship. But tag, world, TNT, all held by former WWE stars. And I know people have a criticism about that. It's like, well, wait a minute. We thought AEW is supposed to be a true alternative. It's supposed to be about the future. You know, why don't you put these belts on people that are not WWE guys? Well, that that's a problem. You see, that that's an issue. That's an issue, guys. Because the reason... The reason they don't do that, in my opinion, the reason they don't do that is because who on that roster has not gone through WWE, has not passed through its doors? Who has not? Huh? 
Who has not passed through the doors? Tell me, who has who, who has not passed through those doors? I mean, let's see. You look at the best friends. Chad, I think it was in I mean Chuck Taylor and Trent. Trent Trent, if you will, with a question mark, Trent or Trent Boletta or Boletta, Trent has passed through WWE doors. He was known as Trent Barletta in that company. Need you forget. Who else? Jake Hager. Need I say more? Jack Swagger. Chris Jericho. Again, need I say more? Le Champion. <laughs> of course, the AEW champ himself, John Moxley, Dean Ambrose, Brody Lee, Luke Harper, FTR, The Revival. Cody Rhodes, Cody Rhodes, Stardust. The list could go on and on and on. What I'm getting at is there is not one man or woman on that roster who has not passed through WWE's doors. Not one. Not one has not passed through WWE's doors. Now, you might say that's not entirely true, and and you're right. There's a lot of men and women on that roster, AEW-wise, that have yet tasted WWE's um, welcoming mat, if you will, or at least stepped onto WWE's welcoming mat. You know, they have yet to taste NXT. They have yet to taste Raw, SmackDown, or 205 Live, or NXT UK. That is true. But here's the thing. One, here's the thing, though. A majority of that roster has. A majority of that roster has. Luchasaurus, known as, uh, um, what was his, uh, Devlin. I think that was his name in NXT, Devlin. Passed to WWE. He was in NXT, shown on NXT, matter of fact. Point is, a lot of these men and women, majority of that roster, about maybe I would say 70% of that roster, has gone through WWE stores, has wrestled in WWE, has wrestled in NXT, has wrestled on Raw, has wrestled on SmackDown, has wrestled on 205 Live, and even maybe touched ground in NXT UK. They've done all that. So for anybody to criticize AEW and say, oh, they're not building up new stars or hometown originals, well, there's a reason. There's a reason. One, the hometown originals still need experience and they're getting it don't get me wrong but they still need experience on a big stage in front of a worldwide audience and i'm not trying to say that to be mean or anything i'm saying that because it's a fact so when you look so when you come out over the past several months and criticize the aew's titles aew's championships which include this, the AAW world titles, are on the shoulders of, you know, of WWE stars and not people that should have them, like an MJF or, you know, a Jungle Express or whatever. Guess what? Their time is coming. It's just right now, the time right now, 
They still need experience. And that's why WWE, not WWE, AEW has these former WWE stars. Um, you know, they have these WWE stars basically uh, competing, uh, not competing, but on top of the divisions. It's not because they don't want to build up new stars, guys. It's mainly because of the fact that they need that. Is Even though it's been over a year and a half since its existence, its actual debut, they're still basically needing that notoriety saying, hey, basically by, by basically pointing out to any stars on the independent circuit that are still free agents, that, hey, you want a place to go? Well, look who's here. Look who you can go against. You can go against John Moxley, formerly Dean Ambrose. You can go against Cody Rhodes. You can go against the American Nightmare Cody, formerly Cody Rhodes, formerly Stardust. Look, you can compete against FTR, formerly The Revival. You know, the, you know they, they have these people on top because that is what's going to attract any future talent. And also that's going to attract viewers. Now, I'm, now here's the thing. People like Maxwell J. Freeman, MJF, one of the best heels in the business right now, Bright Future, is going to get that AEW world title. He's going to get this, or he's going to get the TNT title, guaranteed. He's going to get one of these. That's a fact. That's a fact. He's going to get one of them. All right? He's going to get one of them, and that's a fact. That is an absolute fact. Okay? That is a fact. You know it. And I know it. You know, and the same goes with the best friends, proud and pow- pride and powerful, uh, Ortiz and Santana. You know, the same goes for uh, Lance, Eddie Kingston and all that. They're going to get their opportunity. You know, Sean Spears, Ricky Starks, Brian Cage, they're all going to get their opportunity. But right now, from a business perspective, you need the established stars to attract the audience as well as attract in potentially new talent to come in and be part of your company. And that's why John Moxley is the AEW world champion. That's why FTR is the tag champs. That's why Cody is the TNT champ is to attract in more talent to be part of your company. So you can build your company. You can build it to be as big, bigger than anybody would expect roster rise. So that way, when you have a big enough roster in your eyes, then you could potentially say, okay, John, you're dropping the title to Eddie Kingston at full gear. Okay, FTR, you're going to finally drop the belts to the Young Bucks. Okay, Cody, you're dropping the belt to Ricky Starks. And there you go. Then when that happens, those and when those moments happen, when things like that happen, that's when you know. That's when you know if you're Tony Khan – You've achieved your goal. You got what you wanted. You got the talent. You got what you wanted. You were able to, from a smart business perspective and strategy, utilize the top former WWE stars as your attractions and your champions to not only bring in the viewers, but to bring in talent to be part of your company. And once you accomplish that, 
Then you say, then, as I just demonstrated, for example, then you tell someone like Moxley, drop the title to Kingston. You tell FTR, drop the title to the Bucks. You tell uh, Cody, drop the title to Ricky Starks. You do that. You know, you don't hold back, you do it. And that's it. You don't hold back, you do it. And that's a fact. That is an absolute fact. So anyway, that's why even in its one year, most of the championships have been held by WWE talent. Former WWE talent, that is. But anyway, what a heck of a year it's been. Can't wait to see what they got planned for the next year. Um, it definitely looks like um, full gear is going to be built up to be something special. And uh, expect a very, I have to be in agreement with Alex, just Alex here. Be in, get ready to be in store for a very violent, hardcore match between Moxley and Kingston for the world title. So anyway, with that said, let's move on to topic number five. And our fifth topic is the Dark Ring Duck possible pilot debuting this weekend slash Monday and could more Disney Afternoon rebooted pilots be on the way or be on the horizon? Well, who knows? This year has been basically a Disney Afternoon uh, fiesta, if you will. It's basically been the, the birth of the Disney Afternoon television universe. Because no, And it all began last year. It all began in the second and if somewhat the first season with, you know, references to the gummy bears in one episode to uh, Darkwing Duck, of course, last year. To now this year, you've had Goofy from Goof Troop. The Goof Troop one, the Goof Troop version of Goofy. You've had the genie from the DuckTale movie. You've had the Rescue Rangers. And still in the works, you got you got an adult Molly and Kit from Tailspin. You got monstrous mutated versions of the Wuzzles. You got you had Daisy show up the the nineteen sixties version of Daisy show up. It's it's like it's like a who's who, if you will. And now you're you're dedicating one episode, one one hour, two part mini mini series. To a possible Darkwing Duck revival. We see who Goslin, what Goslin looks like. Goslin is basically Goslin, except she has a, except it looks like she's a little older in this one. And you can tell by the voice. But you have her in there. It looks like she's kind of of the Latina um, background a little bit. But you have Goslin, and what's interesting in the clip that they showed during the flashback that Goslin, uh, that we see when Goslin's telling 
you know, telling Darkwing exactly who Taurus Bulbar is and what happened to her grandfather, guess what we see? We see Goslin in her original outfit with the number one. That's a callback. That's a great callback. I mean, now we got on a new design and everything, but a new outfit and everything, but it's like, this is amazing. This is truly amazing. And now, you, of course, you have Launchpad and you have Dewey, I think, uh, as a part of this. Because they're like buddies, you know, close buddies, you know, compadres, if you will. But this is, a, to me, this is going to be a great setup. It's going to be a great setup to a pilot. I mean, a great setup to a potential rebooted series or revival series. Now, here's what's interesting, though. Here's what's interesting, though. A lot of people right now, I'm pretty sure, are thinking, oh, they're just filming that Darkwing Duck movie they talked about in his first appearance. And they've added Gosselin and Dewey and Lunchpad as, you know, new characters. And it's going to be discovered that it's all a movie. At the end, it's going to be discovered it's been all a movie and all that. Maybe. Maybe. You know, that is a possibility. The way, you know, the way they are, the creators are with, with DuckTales, that, that's a possibility. But I, I don't know. I, I potentially, honestly don't know. I mean, you know, it, you would think possibly they they wouldn't do that. You would think possibly they wouldn't do that. But, you know, when you think about it, you know, this this, <laughs> this version of DuckTales has proven to be anything but predictable. So... To say that they probably won't maybe reveal that this whole thing has been nothing more than a hold on for a sec has been uh, nothing more than a um, than a movie that they were making. Uh, I would not put it past them. I, I would not put it past them because you know honestly, you know it would make sense. For them to do something like that, it would make a lot of sense. I mean, you know, I, I again, I get, you know, I get some people might be disappointed in that, but you never know. You you never know, you know, what potentially you're going to end up getting. You know, you you never know. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. As I always say in a video, you always have to wait and see. And Right now, it looks like it's legit. It looks like it looks like they're going to utilize these two parts to spin us and to spin Darkwing Duck and Goslin, and maybe on occasions Launchpad, possibly with Dewey, into a spinoff series, series the Duck, the Darkwing Duck revival. Um, I could see that. I, I can see them doing that. You know, not saying they will, but I could see them doing that. Now, you know, now, um, could I be wrong? Yeah. You know, again, it, it could be just revealed to be nothing more than a big old storybook, a big uh, production to make it look real. And then it's revealed, okay. And then at the end of the episode, when it looks like everything is, you know, the day is saved and everything, I wouldn't put it past them that towards the end of the episode, when the day is saved and everything, all of a sudden you get a, okay. Okay, cut, print, kind of deal. I wouldn't be surprised. 
<laughs> would not be surprised. And I, and I know that, you know, some people don't, don't want that. They don't want that to happen. And I, I totally understand that, but you never know. But again, you never really know. You can never tell. So, um, but yeah, I, I think honestly, I think honestly, it's you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun kind of a watch when it happens, because you know people have been wanting to see Goslin, and we're gonna get her finally, and it looks, and it looks like if this is legit, um, you know, I am not, I am not gonna. I would not be surprised. I'm not going to be surprised if we if they fully go all out because it's indicated uh, in the original pilot that Taurus killed her killed her grandfather. Well, something happened to cause her grandfather to pass. So I would not be surprised if they go all the way here and they say, "Okay, Taurus Bobar, he killed him," or he because or he tossed him into another dimension. Because the one thing that when you look at the trailer for this. The one thing that pops up first is you have villains from another dimension showing up. So who's to say Bobar didn't toss the grandfather into that dimension? I'm just, just saying. You know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying. It would make a lot of sense in the long run. It, it really would. But yeah, Darkwing Duck. Um, but possible pilot is going to debut as part of DuckTales uh, this weekend and this Monday. So it's a two-parter, so it's going to be really fun fun to see. But now the question is, potentially, could we see more Disney Afternoon uh, rebooted pilots coming out of this? Um, and I have to say, yeah. Um, because one, you knew the moment that Darkwing Duck officially came into the picture the Drake Mallard version that they weren't going to stop there. I mean, the ending of his debut episode where the original Darkwing becomes Negaduck, you know, you pretty much knew they're setting up something, they're building towards something. And now we're getting this and it's like, yeah, you, you pretty much know they're going to do a series or they have a series plan. And, you know, to me, it opens the doors. It opens the door for other revivals to happen. I can see several future episodes of DuckTales being dedicated to these other Disney Afternoon potential revival pilots. I could see one for the Rescue Rangers. I could see one for Goof Troop. I could see one for Tailspin, if you will. I could see that. I could see one that serves as a revival slash prequel in the DuckTales universe for Gummy Bears. I could see that all happening. You know, it's like, you know, it's like to me when, when they op- when they did this with Darkwing Duck, when he first appeared, and now that they're doing, th- as well as now that they're doing this, they've pretty much said nothing's off limits. Anything's possible. I mean, yeah, they can come out and say, well, with Rescue Rangers, we weren't supposed to really touch these guys because of reasons, mostly being the live-action CGI um, animated hybrid that they, I guess they still have in, the, have in the works. You know, we're not supposed to touch them for reasons, and yet they got around it, and they were able to convince them, hey, you know, this 
you know, we want to put these guys in there. And the possible, and now there's a possible rumor going around that they're coming back. You know, again, it opens the door. It opens the door for potentially other future revivals. Like I said, I could see a future episode of Rescue uh, DuckTales focused on the Rangers. I could see one focused on Goof Troop. I could see the one focused on Tailspin and then Gummy Bears. You know, I could see that. And it would work. Because what you're doing, what you're doing, like with Darkwing upcoming this weekend, with the Darkwing Duck, what I'm trying to say is what you're doing, doing, especially let's say with the Darkwing Duck one upcoming this weekend, is you're pretty much using the new DuckTales as your foundation. You're using it as your foundation to build this new revival, this new revived slash rebooted Disney Afternoon Television Universe off of. And by doing so, you're pretty much kicking off the start. You're pretty much kicking off the beginnings of a potential Darkwing Duck revival. And later on, you could possibly be doing the same with the other shows like Rescue Rangers and Tailspin and Gummy Bears and several others. You know, Bonkers maybe. Well, we know maybe even Mighty Ducks. <laughs> Who knows? But and the possibilities are endless. Um, but yeah, you're pretty much opening the door. And heck, you might even bring in the freaking fluffy dogs who, who, who well, we know. <laughs> you know, that would be a surprise. Um, but yeah, you're just opening the door for a lot of things to, to occur. And I could see it happening. I could see it really happening. Heck, you know what would be even crazier? If they use the DuckTales universe to be in the same continuity, the same universe and continuity as Zootopia, and they use the DuckTales series as a an episode of DuckTales to potentially launch onto Zootopia series with again an episode focused on uh, an episode utilized as a potential pilot. I, I could see that. I could see that happening. You know, again, nothing is off limits. You know, there's talk that they might want to bring in Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse. Again, nothing is off limits. Nothing is off limits, in my opinion. So to me, do I see potentially other Disney Afternoon Revival uh, pilots occurring? Absolutely, I see them occurring. I see them happening no matter what. I see it. And I can potentially see, like I said, you know, Disney, the creative staff behind the series, you know, at Disney, utilize, using DuckTales as the foundation to build the Disney Afternoon Television Universe off of. And then I could see them utilizing, you know, individual uh, two-part episodes, if not one episode, but mostly potentially, if not obviously, two-part episodes to kind of, you know, be uh, uh, used as potential pilots. I could see that. Like I said, I, I, what I'm seeing with Darkwing Duck here is just the beginning of what I could see them doing with other shows. I can see them doing a two-parter with Gummy Bears, two-parter with Rescue Rangers, Tailspin, you know, Wuzzles maybe, Fluffy Dogs, Bonkers, you know, Goof Troop. Heck, I could see them doing it again, like I just mentioned, with Zootopia if they want to tie that in. Again, it's all there. It's, the door is just 
the floodgates, in my opinion, have been open or will be completely opened after this episode, this two-part episode uh, this weekend. Because, again, what you're doing with Disney, it seems like what the creative staff at Disney, behind, what, what this show's creative staff at Disney is doing, in my opinion, what I'm trying to say, is they're basically utilizing the series as its foundation for the television universe of Disney Afternoon. And like I mentioned, and I know I'm repeating myself here, I do apologize. I could see them using, you know, two-part episodes in DuckTales, just like they're going to do with this weekend with Darkwing Duck, as potential pilots for other future Disney Afternoon revivals of shows in the future, like Rescue Rangers, like Tailspin, Goof Troop, Gummy Bears, maybe the Fluppies, who knows? <laughs> Wuzzles, and perhaps even something like Zootopia. You never know. But yeah, you know, the Darkwing Duck one, you know, it's happening. Um, it's, you know, like I said, the Darkwing Duck one is indeed happening uh, this weekend. It's a possible pilot. And like I said, I think being, being as such, if you will, it opens the door for future um uh, uh, Disney afternoon shows to get a similar treat- treatment that have made or will potentially make um, debuts or appearances in the Disney afternoon in the years, in the months and weeks, if not years to come. So, so yeah, it's going to happen and can't wait to see that occur. All right. Now, on, now on to number six, our sixth topic. And that is, could, I shouldn't say, and could, I should just say could, shouldn't I? <laughs> I put, and, whoops, I want to do that. Things been acting up today, I don't know why. Here we go. Could the 2021, could the MLP 2021 movie be VOD, video on demand, uh, bound instead of theatrical bound? And uh, the reason I bring that up, folks, and I know some people are wondering, well, what are you talking about? Well, again, going back to the second topic, you know, with a lot of movies heading to streaming because of what's going on, you know, especially the movies that studios feel, yeah, it could make some money at the box office, but it's not going to be worth our time to, you know, put it there. So let's just do this instead. Um, could, could I see see the 2021 MLP movie heading in that direction as well? Honestly, yeah. Yeah, I could. I could see it honestly heading in that direction. You know why? Because if things don't get back to functionally, semi-functioning and they're not fully functioning normal by the time the movie comes out next September... I could see Paramount and Hasbro saying, you know what? You know, let's just put it on VOD. It's not going to be worth our time to put in the theaters. If people are going to be, like I mentioned in the second topic, if people are going to be still reluctant to go to theaters, even if a vaccine is open, even if a vaccine at that time, and it should be um, at that time available, they'll still be reluctant. So, you know, I wouldn't put it past, you know, Paramount and Hasbro to make that decision. And I know people won't want to hear it or won't want, don't want to hear that. But, you know, when you really think about it, it's possible. 
it really is possible because, you know, Soul this year was supposed to go to theaters and now it's going directly to um, to, home vi- to uh, Disney+. Plus. Now, that's either because, you know, Disney didn't want, Disney got sick and tired of, you know, always delaying it and just figured out, let's just do this any, just do, do it this way anyway and give people a nice Christmas gift. Or, just like with Onward, they just felt that it didn't have the potential to, to maybe gross the money they would hope for. Who knows? You know, who knows? But, um, yeah, the, but yeah, could, could I see that happening uh, with it? Absolutely. You know, like I said, like I said, could I see that happening? Absolutely, I could definitely see that happening. Not saying it again. Not saying it will. Not saying it will. Hopefully, you know, Paramount, you know, stays steady and says, you know what, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna basically uh, keep the movie. We're gonna not keep them, but basically, we're gonna, you know. We're going to keep uh, keep to our word, and we're going to put the movie in theaters. You know, I could see them doing that. I, I could see them doing that, but I I just honestly, I just honestly do. But honestly, I do see the potential of of the uh, the movie heading to VOD. I do. If, if nothing, um. If nothing uh, else happens, in my opinion, or not nothing else happens, but if nothing improve, if the theaters financially don't bounce back in the way they're hoping to, with especially a lot of the big blockbusters being held off until certain times next year, you know, and people feeling more safe and comfortable to to go back, yeah, I I could honestly see, excuse me, I could honestly see the you know, Paramount and Hasbro agreeing, let's just put the movie on VOD. I can see that happening. Now, like I said, I understand people don't want to believe that, and I don't want to believe that. That's the truth. I don't want to believe that's going to happen. I'm hoping that they'll still put it on or put it in the theaters because, you know, after what this friend, after what, you know, Friendship is Magic Generation 4 has done for the MLP uh, franchise, you know, in the fan base, I think it deserves a theatrical run. But honestly, again, you know, people look at the fact that even if we have a vaccine and everything by that time, and we should, not a lot of people are going to be very, not a lot of people are going to be very enthusiastic or in a hurry to go back to the theaters, even a year, even a year later, or basically in the next, what is it, 11 months, you know, they're not going to, you know, be in a in a hurry to go back to theaters in eleven months to see the something like the MLP movie. So, um, I honestly think that we could potentially see that movie go to VOD because, again, from a business perspective, Paramount may say, "Look, you know, people are still reluctant, even though everything seems to be back to normal now. Every the businesses are starting to slowly bounce back as best they can." And especially the cinemas, but people are still reluctant. So, uh, could I, could I see it going to VOD even a year even a year after this? 
yeah. You know, I, I could see it going to VOD. And, you know, that might be, unfortunately, that might be the best decision or direction, best decision they got to make for it, even a year later. Now, I understand you're all watching this and you're saying, Brian, that's not going to happen. You know, we got 11 months, almost a year before the movie comes out. A lot could happen. A lot could change. A lot, th- a lot of things could get better. And you're right. A lot could. But here's the thing. Even, like I said, and I'm, and again, I know I'm repeating myself here. I do apologize. But here's the thing. If you have, even if you have everything thing ready to go, from vaccines to safety protocols and everything, to well, now you can get back to mass to max capacity, if you will. Even if you have that all figured out from a safety perspective, honestly, people will still be reluctant. People will still be reluctant to go. I mean, San Diego Comic Con is supposed to come back next year. All the conventions that got closed down, physical, you know, from an in-person perspective, and resulted to virtual this year are going to be back. Going to be back next year. But do you think a lot of people are going to be, you know, you know, excited to go right off the bat? No, they're not going to be excited. They're going to be like, uh-uh, we ain't doing this. Nope, nope. You know, people at BronyCon, uh, not BronyCon, but BabsCon in, in Burlingame, San Francisco, could say, hey, we got everything set up for you guys. Everything's ready to go. We, got, we, we met all the protocols. We got sanitizing stations. We got this. We got that. Da, 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 da. But yeah, people will be like, Nah, I don't want to go. And if they would ask why, and they said, well, yeah. And if somebody was to ask them, well, well, why? You were looking forward to this. They could be like, yeah, I was looking forward to it. But, you know, they could say they have everything ready, but there could be one mistake. One person could have that virus. And I could be like, oh, I'm affected. I'm affected. Well, I, I don't mean to say that offensively or anything, guys. Don't mean to say that offensively. But they could be like, oh, my God, I could get affected. I don't want to take that chance. And they would have a right to feel that way. And again, no offense when I with me doing that, but but you get the idea. But you understand what I'm saying. That people will still be reluctant to go anywhere that's going to have a lot of people. And theaters, cinemas could be one of them. Or could be one of those places that they're reluctant to go to even a year later. So I could see Paramount possibly making the decision along with Hasbro to take the 2021 movie and put it on VOD. I could. Hopefully it won't happen. Hopefully it won't happen, but I could see it happening. I really could. Okay. So next up, let's go to our seventh topic. And our seventh topic is more on the rally for Sally. And how much further it's gotten. Well, it I'll put it this way, it's it's gotten better, it's gotten stronger. There's more support has come out for it. From an artistic standpoint, to people doing live, you know, marathons of the Sonic Forces B battle racing or Team Sonic Racing. You know, it's gotten more momentum. I'll put it that way. And I think the more momentum this character here gets by the fa- you know from the fans, new and old, I think the better the chances she's going to have 
of appearing in other media. Um, like I said before, you know, with Ivan Stanley taking over as the head writer of the book, of the IDW book, I, I could see Sally probably showing up more so than um, she has, you know, previously. I could. I could see her showing up. Now, you might say that's not possible. It's not going to happen. And you might be right. But I think Ivan is going to probably uh, go out and say, hey, you know, these fans want Sally. I'm going to give them Sally. I'll put her in the IDW book. So, so I, I, I could see potentially around next year in time for the 30th anniversary, I could see Sally showing up. You know, Ian could come out and say, I, you know, he doesn't want to use the characters, you know, but if they're owned by Sega, then there shouldn't be no problem. Even if they appear and make, make their debut in one issue and then come back in a few, issue, a few issues later or several issues later, so be it. You know, at least we know they'd be in the same universe. Um, but who knows? Who knows? But, you know, but yeah, getting back to the hashtag uh, rally for Sally, it's gaining momentum. I'll put it that way. It's gaining momentum. Every time there's a um, live stream from the Sonic team people, you know, here in America, they're acknowledging it. They're talking about it. They're saying, hey, we hear you. We're working on We're trying to work on something for it. So, yeah, Rally for Sally um, is, you know, definitely gaining momentum. And, again, I think, as I've mentioned before, I think the best opportunity that she's going to have of any recognition out of this, you know, coming from this, I should say, will be uh, the, uh, the comic, the IDW comic. You know, game-wise, yeah, that's still a possibility. Hopefully, we'll get something. Maybe we'll get something with the December 2nd uh, announcement of a, you know, for Sonic. You know, I could see that. You know, I, I could potentially see that. Um, like I say, I could potentially... I, I could potentially see that, and it would be great. You know, it would be it would be great. So So again, it it, it would be great to to see that happen. Um you know, to or at least to hear something out of the um uh, you know, out of um, you know, out of out of that announcement, when it comes to you know, a possible game or whatever, but I think the best opportunity we got for any recognition, like I said, is maybe a show, a day, uh, you know, you know, a debut, an actual debut in the IDW comic, and like I said, she and any other character from Sat AM, Freedom Fighters, Archie Comics, if they debut as well, they don't have to be the focal point. You know, they could just show up in an issue and then show up in a, you know, several issues later. So I could see that, you know, I could, I could see that happening. So in my opinion, in my opinion, um, 
I think, you know, we're looking at, um, you know, probably uh, in my opinion, what I'm trying to get at is I think we're looking at Sally showing up in the IDW comic as possibly the first impactful um, move or result of this hashtag rally for Sally. I really do. So, yeah, again, it is definitely gaining momentum. It's um, it's got people talking. It's got people uploading and contributing artwork. Uh, Sally interacting with Tangle and Whisper, and Sally, you know, being son of an and what they would consider her IDW style. You know, so it's you know she's gaining that momentum, you know, day after day. So, so anyway, yeah. Uh, again, it's just it continue, but like I said, it continues to grow. And hopefully, like I said, something will come of, come of it. And I think it w- and I think something will. And I think what will come of it will be her debut in the IDW comics. I really do. Okay, last but not least, is our eighth and final topic. More talk on Disney's new media strategy. Now, um, I recently brought this, I recently did a video. Uh, as a reply to Zara Nizarak of the Multimedia Chronicles. And I told Sean, basically, and I kind of gave my opinion as to why uh, Disney, excuse me, uh, why Disney um, has yet to uh, basically, excuse me, Oh, why Disney has yet base has yet to basically, um, you know, finish up a lot of um, series that they put onto DVD. You know, like some of the Disney afternoon shows, like Gummy Bears and Rescue Rangers. You know, Goof Troop. You know, why they haven't finished it yet? And the same goes for any other studios, like even Warner Brothers. And the reason being is because their main focus is streaming. That, that's the main focus. And Disney's new media strategy, um, as reported, and I talked about this in the video, is primarily going to be focused on streaming. But streaming's not going to take them away from all the other uh, avenues of revenue they can, they, uh, they can get their hands on. It's not going to take them away from the parks. It's not going to take them away from physical media re- uh, revenue. It's not going to take them away from cinema slash theatrical revenue. Basically, streaming is going to be like that main platform that they're going to utilize, that they're going to use as their as their game board, as their foundation to see, you know, what uh, potentially is a streaming movie or series, or in this case, movie, and what potentially is... Um, theatrical or whatever so that that's mainly what it is so if a movie like let's say earlier this year onward you know it's not the kind of movie that they would hope it could be then they could say you know what onward has potential to make money eh, but you know what i'm not feeling it let's just put it on disney plus and say it's a disney plus original and there you go um, you know, the same with, you know, like earlier, like about a, about, about a month ago or so, they debuted uh, the Phineas and Ferb Candidates versus the Universe movie. 
you know, let's take that for example. They could have said, hey, you know, here's a movie, even if it's a limited run in theaters, we could put in theaters. They could be like, yeah, that's good, true, but even with a limited run, it won't make money. So on to streaming, you go. And oh, on to streaming, you go. And oh, later on, on to home video, you go. And that's it. That's what they would do. And, and I know some people don't like hearing that, but it's true. They would bait, that's what they're doing. That's their main strategy, from what I can understand. They have the different divisions, but the main focus is streaming, and streaming is going to be used as that plateau to where they're going to decide what's going to be a streaming exclusive and, and original and what could be otherwise, you know, especially when it comes to movies. You know, series-wise, you know, they could also use it as a, a platform to see, okay, what live-action or animated series potentially could be you know, Disney Channel, Disney XD bound, and what could be just Disney Plus bound. And, you know, they could go in that direction. And the same, and again, going back to movies, it's similar in some veins. You know, for example, if they wanted to, they could say, you know what, Black Widow is going to make us a lot of money, but I don't know if people will be too excited to see it after waiting for so long. So you know what, under Disney, Disney Plus it goes. They could do that, but they won't because they still want to make that big box office money with it. But they could say, and that's it. And that's not a lie. That is not a lie uh, whatsoever. You know, they could make that decision. And, you know, I understand, you know, some people be like, you know, you know, some people be like, well, they have to realize, you know, what I'm trying to say is, you know, there'll be some people that'll be like, well, they have to realize that they can't do that with all the movies. You'd be wrong about that because they could. You could be wrong about that because they could, because here's the thing. They had a Christmas movie released last year to tie in with the debut of the service. Now, this Christmas movie could have been a theatrical film. And it could have made some money. But it didn't. It didn't make no money. It didn't make no money whatsoever. And basically, they put it as part of it, and they basically made it a Disney Plus original movie, is what they did. It could have made them some money, but it didn't. That's what I'm trying to get at. It didn't make them money. Or it could have made them money, but they decided that it wasn't going to make them money. That's what I was trying to say. They decided it wasn't going to make them money. And or they felt like it was it didn't make them money, even if it what I'm trying to say, I'm trying to tag, uh link this to uh some people to so they can watch this live stream right now or later. Uh but basically Disney decided that it wasn't gonna make them money, so they just decided to plop it on to uh Disney Plus. You know. So again, it's so again, when you look at Disney's new media strategy, it's again, it's nothing new. Well, not it's nothing new, but when you look at it, you know, when you look at the new media strategy, you know, honestly, it's not it's uh, nothing new when it comes to any kind of strategy that's similar to it. But for Disney, it's definitely, you know, um, it's definitely somewhat of a changing of the guard because. Like I said, they're not going away 
for anybody that's worried, they're not going away from theaters, from theatrical releases or, you know, the parks or whatever, the physical DVD, Blu-ray, 4K, Ultra Blu-ray releases. They're not doing that. Instead, what they're doing is they're going to use the Disney Plus streaming the who in the partnerships with Hulu and ESPN Plus to kind of figure what is, you know, potential for theatrical, Disney XD, Disney Channel, maybe home video, you know, basically being the first dibs, and what's suitable for streaming, and then maybe later on to be put on, and then later on release for Disney Channel, Disney XD, and video. That, that's, what the, that's what they're using the streaming platform for. It's the foundation. It's the plateau. You know, that's why, you know, you know, in the, that's why, you know, a lot of people, you know, that, that well, what I'm trying to say is this is why Disney is making the decisions they're making. Like, you know, putting Pixar's soul on, on, the, on Christmas Day because they could easily wait till the next year to put it in theaters, but they're not going to because they feel that people are going to not want to see it and then it might get lost in the shuffle with all these bigger blockbusters that are going to finally been Oh, finally be allowed to be released by the very studios that had to delay them. So they basically said, you know, look, it's not going to make us money as much as we want it to if we keep it and if we delay it, you know, until next year to be in the theaters. So why don't just put it out now? This is ba- that right there is a, and I, basically an example of what the strategy is going to be, in my opinion. And here's the thing. Other studios follow suit in a similar way. You know, Sean, Sean Zaranizarak, you know, he gave Warner Brothers a credit by saying the Warner Archive at least is a place where a lot of, you know, potent, a lot of uh, physical media releases of animated live action shows uh, can be uh, purchased from because, you know, retail rise, they may not make a lot of money. But here's the thing. The reason Warner Brothers hasn't been in a hurry to do it as much with the announcements recently of the Jetsons and the Josie and the Pussycats and all that coming to Blu-ray, the reason they haven't been in a hurry, um, if you will, is because their main focus has been things like HBO Max and the DC Universe app. You know, that's what it's been then. That's been the main focus. You know, that's why you're hearing more about releases going there than you're hearing about physical releases being coming soon to the Warner Archives. So that's the main priority. Just like Disney Plus is becoming the Disney's main priority and focus for any future projects to, you know, to be released streaming-wise exclusively or otherwise or in other areas like theaters, home video, whatever. The same with Warner Brothers. You know, they're using HBO Max and Disney, not Disney, but DC Universe as their plateaus, their foundations for potential uh, new material and that's what potentially new material uh to show to be showcased and this is why they're not in any hurry uh in my opinion to make may make a lot of announcements of stuff being released on physical media through the warner archive store you know same with universal i mean they just announced that jetsons the movie is finally officially here in the states that is not internationally because it's already there but here in the States, it's finally coming out to Blu-ray. But the thing is, Universal could have made this decision a long time ago, but their main focus has been the Peacock Network. Get what I'm saying? So 
what I'm trying what I'm trying to get at is basically, you know, when you look at all these, and then you look at what Disney's doing with their new media strategy, it's pretty much all the same down the middle. And it's all pretty much the same. It's a little different in certain areas, but it's pretty much the same. Everybody from Disney to Warner to Universal and others out there are using the streaming platforms as their plateaus, as their canvases to create art as well as make the decisions, um, make the decisions of what directions they want to go in with certain projects. It's their canvas. It's their blueprints. You know, so that and their main, and because it's that it's their main, it's their canvas. It's their blueprints and everything to create from. They're putting a lot of priority into that, and that's why Disney's decided to go in the direction they're doing. So, hopefully, that explains why, as I mentioned in another video, why we haven't seen them focusing on completing animated or live action series uh, fully on physical media, you know, like they should in the eyes of many people. Uh, but anyway, though, guys, that's going to be about do it for today's live TGIF Topics on My Mind. The first under my new monetization um, error. Hopefully the monetization stays and nothing goes wrong. And it's also the first under the Super Chat realm as well. So uh, that's that's about it. So thank you all for joining me, guys. Looks like some of you did join me a little late. Uh, but thank you, Valentino and Friendship Magic C franchise. Uh, thank you all. Oh, no, it is Valentino, but thank you all for joining me. But again, this is pretty much, we're pretty much at the end here of the uh, first, like I said, first live topics on my mind under my uh, monetization, monetized um, error for my channel, my main channel as well as the first under the Super Chats um, as well. So uh, thank you all for joining me for that. Really appreciate it. And uh, thank you all for watching. Uh, let me know what you all think down below. If you want to give me a Super Chat down the line, go ahead. I really appreciate it during the next live stream. Um, and uh, that's really about it, guys. So uh, that's all I could say. Uh, thank you all for watching, and thank you, thank you all for tuning in and watching. Even if you didn't comment or super chat, or super chatted, thank you all for watching. Really appreciate it. Um, you know, and uh, thank you all to those watching afterwards um, as well. And you could also find me at other places as well. You could find me at um, BW Roses Discussions at Anchor.fm. You could also find the BW Roses Discussions podcast at Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Player.fm, Radio Public, Stitcher, Breaker, Overcast, as, as well as you could also check me out at my Brian's Discussions channel. Help me to get to 1,000 subscribers there so I can try to maybe monetize that channel as well. And that's about it, guys. So till next time. God bless. Take care. I am out. And I'm going to add an ad. So <laughs> peace out, guys. I'm out of here. Have a good Friday evening.